Hi, everyone. I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Zach Mack. And this is So You Want to Run a Restaurant, powered by Back of House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. Well, we're excited for our guest, Chef Brian Jupiter of Inime and Frontier in Chicago. He has both been a James Beard semifinalist, and Zach, I think he is our first chop champion on the show. I mean, by my count. Yeah. He's definitely the first. Uh, that that show, I honestly, there's a different level of cooking that goes on when you have that kind of pressure. I know oh it's all like God, yeah. vamped up, but you can't you can't go on those shows unless you know what you're doing. And I, I give people who even put themselves out there like that a lot of credit. Excited to talk to him about that. That's just like one little thing is in, in his entire very impressive career. Yeah. Um, but but it's like it's a pretty cool part of it. Oh, absolutely. I um whenever I watch the show, it gives me anxiety. I think about them running oh, around yeah, and, and I'm like, is the meat going to thaw on time or is, is are they going to be able to kick, uh, cook through the entire giant slab of slab of whatever meat they're cooking? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm stressful. Part of me wants to know too. They always feel like they, and I know this is all partially editing, but they always look like they literally get the last second as they're like plating it. Yeah. But then when the camera pans in, it's plated perfectly. And I was like, how did they manage that? Mm, I don't know. So I'm, it's like one of those things. I guess maybe that just comes with like the press, the pressure of being in the kitchen. Who knows? But he, he seems like the, everything I've seen about him so far, he seems like the kind of guy who's pretty cool under pressure. So Yeah, I completely agree. And I hope that Chef Jupe has a little behind-the-scenes intel on us of how they film the show. And if I want to know if they get the ingredients ahead of time or if they really if they know no, or there's they, no way. they really this know. Gotta be, it's got to be a shock. It's got to be. I think it's, I think it's genuine shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another fun fact is that although uh, Chef Jupe might be based in Chicago, he actually grew up and started his career in New Orleans, um, which if for the Chicago folks or, or the other folks that may know, it's called Ina May. They serve up Cajun and Creole influenced menu and it's actually named after his great grandmother, which I only recently found out about. So um, he also opened up a new ghost kitchen called Jupe's Soups, which love the name. I mean, yeah, just, how can you just not? flows. Uh, so anyway, we're excited to talk to, to talk to Chef Jupe about all of this and more. So we're excited to talk to Chef Jupe about all the creative ways to market a restaurant brand, how to multitask effectively, and of course, his recent Chopped win. Chef, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about today, Chef Jupe. I'm really happy you're here. Um, But as someone who loves the city very much, I actually just want to kick it all off where I feel like a lot of your basis comes from uh, where you're from. You grew up in New Orleans. And you started working in kitchens when you were pretty young. From what I understand, you were 15 or something. Yeah. Um, what was it like breaking into the industry in such like an iconic and culturally irreplaceable place like New Orleans? You know, it almost feels natural. It almost felt natural, you know, um, to uh, step into a kitchen, especially after just uh, developing a love of food uh, from cooking with my grandmother and things like that. Um, you know, and so it, it was intimidating only because I was so young. Um, but no one ever treated me like I was that young, you know, they still would jump down mm-hmm. my throat, uh, you know, over, over <laughs> that, that you can mess up in the kitchen. Uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was actually, uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, for me. You did, so you did a lot of cooking with your family to start off. I mean, that's usually most people have that experience first, but I feel like if your family, some, you know, my dad was kind of hesitant to like give me the knife and stuff like that when I was a young age, but that's pretty cool. You got that early on. So from there you, uh, you saw, I saw you went to culinary school yeah. and you have your degree in food and beverage management, but how much would you say that education kind of like there's a very different 
ethos to that than there is, you know, being in the kitchen with family and like learning how to, to have, learning how to do stuff or being on the line. How has that kind of changed versus like the experience you've picked up uh, working in kitchens and, and actually being with food? Yeah. Well, you know, culinary schools um, are, they're, they're good for some of the foundational learning. Uh, you know, you learn certain terms, um, you'll learn the, the basic techniques of, um, of the, you know, the, the main, uh, cooking, mm-hmm. uh, uh, styles and, and, but for the, the most part, you're going to learn in the field. Right. And so, um, we've seen, uh, the rise and fall of culinary schools, right. And, and in this day and age, culinary schools struggle. Um, a lot of them are closed. Um, and it's just that they're not getting as many people that are willing to spend a pretty large amount of money um, to learn how to cook and get a diploma that doesn't really mean anything um, when you step into a kitchen. You know, um, you can have the, the, you know, graduate top of your class, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the Color Institute of America uh, and get smoked on the line by a guy who's never went to culinary school, but he's been doing it for the last 10 years, you know? Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different. And then, you know, nowadays there's so many programs out, um, some of which I, I work with um, that are either free or close to free that are kind of giving you that base knowledge as well. You just have to be willing to, you know, take a little bit less um, and go and, and work in the field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, okay, you go to culinary school, you learn the foundations, like you said. And then what happened after that? How did you make your way to Chicago post-culinary school? Talk to us about that journey into the into your professional career. You know, while at culinary school, I was working the whole time. And um, because I had started working before I went to culinary school, um, it just was, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to keep at it. Uh, and I felt like, you know, like in any sport, um, you know, repetition is going to make you, you know, improve upon your skill sets. Um, and so, you know, I worked in a bunch of different places in Miami because uh, I went to Johnson & Wales University in Miami. And so I worked in a bunch of different places, uh, a lot of Asian restaurants, um, because that was just kind of what I was uh, um, kind of uh, attracted to um, uh, flavor profile-wise at the time. Uh, and... Uh, a little bit of Latin, Latin influence stuff, um, and uh, you know, it just—I think it made me a lot more well-rounded um, as a chef um, because I was just soaking up all this knowledge and learning about all these different flavors, um, you know, while mm-hmm. attending mm-hmm. culinary school. So you said that was all when you were in Miami. Yeah, that was all in Miami, um, and I was working. I worked for a chef there for um, a little time at the Shore Club Hotel. And he had linked up with a group out of Chicago. And at the time, they had a place called Narcisse uh, that was downtown. Um, and they were really close to acquiring a space in Miami to do Narcisse Miami. And so his plan was, you know, bring me up to Chicago. I run the Chicago location. He goes back down to Miami. You know, he'll run the Miami location and come back and forth. Um, but the Miami location ended up falling through. So... Uh, he was like, the cold weather wasn't for him. He bailed, went back down to Miami, uh, and I was up there in Chicago. All right. So, okay, so you found yourself there in the you windy. Yeah, I was going to say, here you are. Um, so you find yourself in the Windy City. What did you do first when you got here? And then I want to hear about uh, Frontier and how you moved into that. Um, 
Well, I was working a lot when I first moved here, um, you know, and I really, well, first I convinced them to give me the executive chef job. And so they gave, they, they, they give me the gig, not knowing that I was still really young. I just got graduated college. So, I mean, I was whatever that age is, 23, 24, whatever that is. Um, and, and so they, uh, no, I was actually younger than that. Well, whatever age you graduate college, I went to college for four years. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, they give me the gig and I was just learning, you know, fine dining was still huge at the time. We had a, a big caviar menu there. And so I was educating myself on, uh, on caviar service and, uh, just starting to create menus for the first time ever in my career. Um, and so, you know, that was a bit of a challenge. So, you know, I, I naturally took work home with me, uh, quite often. Um, and you know, because of the type of place it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like that nightlife scene, you know, I'd be, I would be out, you know, uh, after yeah. work, you know, uh, bars, clubs and that type of stuff. Um, you know, I, I familiarized myself pretty quickly, uh, with, uh, downtown Chicago. Yeah. That's funny. I want to know how you convinced them to give you the executive chef role at that age. Sorry. I told I, them how old I was. No, honestly, that's, I'm, I'm really, I'm impressed by that. That's like, that's huge at that age yeah. to pick up that job. Well, I, I never told them how old I was. Um, and, you know, chefs aren't really, you know, like I, like I said about culinary school and the, the diploma, you know, I, I couldn't tell you where my diploma is from Johnson Wales. Uh, I'm sure my mom has it somewhere in a drawer or something trying to protect it from the elements. Uh, but I've never shown it. I've never hung it in on the wall or anything like that, you know, uh, you know, and, and so, <laughs> you know, it, it's, yeah. it's really, really nothing for them to, to check, you know, um, they were in a pinch as well because he, had, he was, you know, leaving unexpectedly. Um, but I knew that I didn't move to Chicago to work under, potentially work under a chef that I didn't know, or I didn't, you know, personally seek out, you know, to, to, to gain knowledge from. Um, and so I was like, Hey, I'm gonna bet on myself with this one, um, and act like I know what I'm doing, uh, and tell these folks to give me the gig. Uh, so yeah, they, they thought about it for a little bit. I had a, a, a general manager there, uh, and he was kind of young and hip, uh, still cool with him to this day. But, uh, yeah, he was, you know, in my side, on my side, you know, he had worked with the guys for a few years. So they, you know, he was like, yeah, give him a, I, I think we should give him a shot, you know, so so yeah, and so that was a start, you know, and from there, I worked there, I, I did that for a couple of years, and uh, then I went to a place called La Bella Lounge that was opening over in the Gold Coast, and um, Bella was just a different challenge, it was bigger, it was like the new hot spot, um, you know, all the little celebrities and athletes and stuff would be coming through there, um, you know, but twice the size of the kitchen, probably three times the size of the kitchen. Um, of Narcisse and then I had you know a lot more staff and stuff like that so it was more of a you know uh, an opportunity for me to um, challenge myself differently Uh, and uh, so yeah did that for a couple years as well Um, after Narcisse I went to uh, I taught at a culinary school actually um, Washburn Culinary Institute Um, and that is part of uh, Chicago City College and so I was you know, when I left that Bella Lounge spot, I was looking for a spot of my own. And so, like, I've always, like, had that kind of, like, entrepreneur, um, you know, eye. Um, like, so everything that I ever, you know, messed with, it was all, you know, 
I felt like steps to get into my own. And so, you know, every mistake I've made and all that stuff, you know, on someone else's dime, um, you know, I look at those as opportunities to, to grow and not make them myself when I have my own spot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's I, a good way to do it. You know, yeah, those mistakes get costly, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and so I, I, I tried looking at some spaces and, you know, um, just couldn't really find anything and I needed to work. Uh, and so someone, I think, referred me to the, the gig, um, uh, with Washburn, but Washburn had a restaurant. This is when they were still in, uh, South Shore and they had a, a restaurant and it called a pair mm-hmm. cage. And the pair cage was like the final phase for the students before they graduate. So it's supposed to be giving them like the real life experience of working in a restaurant and all that type of stuff. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so I took the gig, uh, still was pretty young, um, and still was kind of seeking that it was a little too slow for me. You know, it was very easy work, um, paid very well. Um, but I was just bored you know, um, and I was surrounded by a chef that was twice my age um, that were just, like, bitter. You know, like, the, the industry had already, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the industry had run its courts on these guys, and they were just, like, bitter, and, like, who's this young guy? You know, <laughs> didn't want to change anything. You know? <laughs> just, like, you know, and so I was like, all right, I can't do this for too long. Um, so I did a, a couple semesters there, and so I... I, I I liked it. I, I, I can see myself doing it when I'm 60, you know, like going back until, until college. That's school, it, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yelling at some kid or whatever. But you, I mean, you, you, I know to, to bring it up to kind of current day, I guess, you, uh, your restaurant frontier that you're at now uh, yeah. in Ina May, um, you guys are known for doing a really special, a bunch of different things. And, and that clearly comes from like the different experience you've had. You've taken a lot of risks in your career, but you also seem yeah. like, you're very well rounded for someone your age. Um, the uh, the restaurant's also known for people who are in Chicago, known for doing whole animal dinners and parties that where people can order like a whole pig or a goat, or even an alligator. Which is, you know, as a true Yankee, that blows my mind. Um, but I was wondering if you could tell me about like how did you develop <laughs> something like that? Because that's not something you can easily just walk into a restaurant and do. Uh, I don't know if that's something that you, you know, sure. you picked up early on in your career, later on in your career, or like just how did that come about? Well, you know, the, the concept frontier was built off of, um, the way the space looked. Right. And so the, um, originally I was looking for, I was looking for a, a space for what is now INMA. Mm. Um, and so I wanted to do a New Orleans concept. Um, and frontier came about, um, I looked at it uh, first, and then my partner looked at it, uh, and it was just uh, it was a little big for Ina uh, and it didn't really have the feel of uh, of New Orleans or the South or anything like that. Just the, the way the building uh, was designed, um, you know. But it was very kind of like Mountain West lodgy, you know. It was a lot of brick and uh, wood, um, you know. It was even more wood in there than it is now. Um, at one point, there was like these big wooden beams and stuff. Uh, and so, um, you know, we started to kind of think of, you know, what would what would work in that concept. And, and so my partner, um, he was a straight bar guy. You know, he had had Lottie's for, you know, some years. Um, and uh, that was what he knew, you know. And he didn't even 
and like really eat food like that. Like he would, you know, uh, you know, everything was, you know, well done and as simple as possible and stuff like that. Um, as compared to now, I mean, he's technically he's like a foodie or some shit now, but, um, but like, uh, you know, and so we were thinking that we were doing a bar with some good food, you know, and so we load the thing up with TVs um, and DJ booth and all this other stuff and thinking that's just going to be kind of like it's a, a nightlife spot with um, with some food that's a little bit elevated. Uh, the whole animal thing wasn't as big as it is now, like we were going to do pigs and lambs, and that was um, literally based off of... Uh, and seeing something at a restaurant in New York while I was dining there, you know, they did like a little suckling pig, and I was like, oh shit, that's pretty cool. Was it El Buco? Be cool to do something like that. No, it was uh, the Breslin. The Breslin? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, and so, you know, they did a little small suckling. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. So I started to dig around, you know, to see what else was available for me to get and things like that. Um, and as far as that concept as well, the game part came into just kind of like the old frontier, um, you know, living off the land, you know, the way people would, you know, you know, basically hunt and cook and, you know, smoking things, grilling things. And, uh, and so, you know, that was kind of how it was built. Um, and then the people started to try to just, you know, Hey, what else can you get? You know, can you get this? Hey, I hunt, you know, you do any deer, all of this type of stuff. And so. Um, you know, we started to really expand the, the menu with um, with game things, and it was no one that came there to watch a game. We have all these TVs. Um, we were actually getting bashed for the amount of TVs. It was like, what is this place? You know, <laughs> TVs and, 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 you know, yeah. uh, elk meatballs. You know, like, it's like, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah. you know, but we, we stayed, you know, we we continue to adapt, you know, but we never really apologized for it. You know, I, I remember one of the first articles that came out was um, it was like uh, you know, what is this place? You know, it's a bar with whole animals. Like basically, it's not gonna last. And you know, eleven years later, you know, we're still uh, still kicking over there in Milwaukee, um, in a in a really bad location, just um, in a sense that it's uh. It's just completely the destination spot, you know. Um, no one's walking past Frontier like, hey, you want to go in and grab a drink? You know, you go into Frontier, you go into Frontier, you know. Um, it's a little bit on on island over there. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, we listen to people. You know, we listen we listen to people, and we, you know, we we had, we had adapt when necessary. I think it's important. The TV crowd, I will tell you, I feel like you get that. I get it all the time for people either they want more or they want none. So I feel mm. like that's a weird divisive thing. You could do anything and mm. people get mad one way or the other. But I think it's yeah, kind of, yeah. it's kind of amazing that people show up like I don't want to watch the bears, I want to eat the bear. You know, it's very right. <laughs> yeah. different concept, yeah. but I you're it's you're a lot of people can't <laughs> I didn't think of it like that, but they yeah. can't adapt that way. So the fact that you actually take that that advice to heart, you know, it says a lot about like uh, the kind of kind of yeah. kind of conversation you're willing to have with the customer. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I want to know how many people actually order the alligator. I've seen the photos of it, and I'm like, it's such an mm. anomaly living in Chicago. I mean, I feel like if you're down in New Orleans. Wait, have, you, have you never eaten alligator before, Claudia? I haven't, no. Or actually, maybe I did. You haven't had it before? Oh, wow. No, maybe I have actually in some sort of, when I was in New Orleans, maybe I did actually have something of like a 
It might have been in like a gumbo or something. Yeah. You know, it, it goes in waves, you know. On average, we do a couple a month. Wow. Um, but then we'll have, you know, uh, a Saturday where we have five, you know. Uh, and so. Five alligators. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really crazy. Um, Since championship games. You know, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or like it'll be yeah. a rerun of something that I did on TV. Um, you know, like people stop me all the time. Oh, yeah. Just like out in public. That's like. Hey, I saw you cooking alligators on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. The alligator sells your restaurant. Yeah. You know, it's like your own marketing tool. Yeah. So, well, yeah. so actually, that that brings me to another my next question, though. So, considering mm-hmm. all of the interesting things that you've done at, at Frontier, um, how did you approach it at NMA, which I know is also doing a lot of really interesting things, so like the special events, the large format meals to go. And I even saw that you have an Airbnb above the restaurant that you rent out. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm in an Airbnb now, um, actually. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's what the chair's yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why it looks so cool. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, again, um, with the anime, uh, it was, uh, it was the building, you know, um, we were looking at, uh, we wanted want to make it as authentic as possible mm-hmm. um, with the, the, the layout and the design. And, you know, it's really hard to do that um, and be a real, you know, New Orleans concept uh, with, you know, brand new full frontal glass, um, you know, uh, storefront, you know, type of right. deal. It's just not, it's not as, you know, believable. Uh, and so, yeah, this building was very, it was, you know, old and beat up. Um, and it was with it being on a corner, um, you know, it kind of gave you that feel of um, of a corner store uh, yeah. that you would find down in New Orleans. Um, and so the Airbnb was actually born because um, it was an apart- apartment up here for you know many years. Um, actually, the brother of the guy who owned it owned the bar here. He used to live up here. Um, didn't look anything like this, uh, but. Uh, it uh, <laughs> it was an apartment, and you know the city of Chicago is they're they're not extremely um easy to work with uh when you're trying to change you know zoning and things like that. And so yeah, uh, you know you make zero money with it being an office, um, and it's way too big, and your manager just be up here you know laying down on the couch, um, <laughs> and, and 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 so. You know, Airbnb at that time was um, was really you know um, booming, uh, and that was the you know that was what what the, the option that one of the options that we had. You know, we could have rented it out, but then you deal with somebody complaining about the live band that's going on, and you know it's just you know the maintenance of it and all that stuff. And so I was gonna say it's yeah. built in it's built in noise protection against uh, you know oh, yeah. uh, potentially yeah. cranky tenant. Absolutely. But it's also too like if we're thinking. You know, big picture. It's also like a diverse revenue stream. You're you're bringing in money mm-hmm. from yeah. something that you know could just be sitting there, like you said, wasting money in an office or something. So that is like yeah, a, and it's, not, it's something that people, you know, the, the media likes to talk about. You know, it's something that's different. You know, um, and so uh, you know, you look to have those little um, those little factors of your concept that are attractive to to media. You know, um, and that's kind of how you get you know, recognized for, you know, other things, you know, they, you get the buzz going, you get people talking. Um, and that's definitely something that this does. 
Trust 20 is a proud sponsor of the So You Want to Run a Restaurant podcast. Trust 20's ANSI accredited food handler certificate training is the freshest course on the market and made with the worker in mind. It's interactive, entertaining, and the test at the end is even gamified. Yes, you heard that right. Get your new team members up to speed on food safety in no time. Today, right now, this second, you got to do it. Trust 20 Food Handler Certificate Training is available for individual and group purchases. Head to their site, trust20.co, again, that's trust20.co, and sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date because Trust 20 will also be launching a food allergy certificate training this spring. Get your team a certificate today. So um, speaking of different concepts and just like different ways you've kind of broadened out in the last few years, I also read that you've recently started a ghost kitchen and uh, mm. you know, that's like kind of a buzzword these days in the industry, but I was wondering if you could tell us a little about what that's been like for you and what you're, what you're working with. Yeah. Well, you know, ghost kitchens and uh, you know, they've, they've gained popularity during the uh, pandemic, obviously because it's a small footprint um, with less uh, startup capital needed. Um, but the problem with ghost kitchens is that, uh, they, they don't leave much room for you, you know, at the end of it, right? Because a lot of them are charging you a, a, a pretty high rent for a 350 square foot space, uh, which most of those are. Um, and a lot of them also take money as like your processor, your, your, uh, you know, the person that's yeah. controlling all your orders and stuff. And so there's really no money in ghost kitchens unless you have you know, like four concepts that you run. And I've seen some of these where they have like four on next side by side and they're just slight, slight variations of each other, you know? So your product is all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. You're just adding different sauce or different this or whatever. They can win. But on average, ghost, ghost kitchens don't win. Um, but, you know, we go through these waves of business, especially during the pandemic and stuff like that. Uh, and I have the space, you know, I have two kitchens that are basically down the street from each other um, that aren't always busy. Um, and so uh, the soup concepts or the juke soup concept was just born off of that, right? It's like, how can we make it seem like we have something new, even though it is new, you know, but, you know, people will yeah. congratulate me like I just opened another restaurant, you know, and that's kind of what social media does, you know, it's like, People start buzzing it. Totally. They don't read the caption at all. They just see the logo and then, oh man, congratulations, man! Where yeah. is it? I want you're, to come you're making support, moves. You know? you know, yeah, you yeah. know, and and so um and so the soups just went with the winner. And and to be completely honest, we didn't even sell that much. You know, it didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like a successful thing. But that's the beauty of being able to run it out of my own versus right. if I took this thing to an actual ghost kitchen and I signed a con- I signed a lease and all this other stuff and my soups aren't moving. Um, you know, and it also gives me opportunities um, because I set it all up. You know, I have the, the businesses all set up for it. If Mariano's called me tomorrow and said, hey, you know, uh, we're interested in, you know, taking on two of the juke soups, then I'm, I'm already equipped with, you know, the paperwork and everything to, uh, to pretty much jump into production uh, pretty quickly. That's awesome. Also, it works perfectly with your name. How can you not? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As someone named Zach Mac. Now I, I wonder what yours going to be. Zach Mac and Cheese, Zach? Is that your new ghost virtual brand? I got you. you know, <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like Zach Mac. You name it. You got it. Okay. 
All right. I'll like stay that. tuned for that one. Um, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I love how creative yeah. you've been and I love that you're looking at, I don't know, just the different revenue streams and seeing where you can fill in and what makes sense. So I think it's great. But I do want to talk about Chopped because you did win, which huge congratulations to you. Thank you, thank you very and, much. Um, and yes, yes. And I know you won in February during yeah, a special huge. Black History Month episode of Chopped. I, can you tell us what that experience was like being on the show? Um, well, you know, it was uh, it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people, you know, get stressed out about those um, those shows, and it and it is stressful um, until you start cooking. Right? It's like you get there, and you know, it's a lot of you don't know the people. Sometimes I guess you could, but I didn't in this situation. I didn't know anyone uh, that was uh, competing on the show as well. Um, you know, so you don't know what they're capable yeah. of. And so you kind of, you know, kind of size people up a little bit, you know, see, you know, where they're coming from and, uh, you know, try to game plan. But in shop, you don't know what you're going to be cooking, you know. And so I think that's the, the number one, uh, the most asked question that I get is, so they didn't tell you, you know, like kind of what it was going on. They didn't tell you any of it. And it's like, no, they don't. Um, tell you at all, you know, you get a couple looks once, you know, because they have to stop and retake a couple times, like once you do the, the, the opening, you know, scene. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, other than that, then, I mean, you, you see it and then it's, you know, you cooking with a 20 minute timer up against you. But uh, what did you, so what did you get for just so the audience or to the listeners know, what did, what did you end up with as your surprise? The first, uh, cause it was three, it's three, it's three rounds. The first round was um it was the appetizer round and so i got catfish fillets um it's kind of shrimp. perfect for new orleans didn't you say yeah 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 catfish fillets, <laughs> shrimp. oh yeah i was i was pretty happy with the first one uh this gullah gullah red rice which is like kind of like a jambalaya almost but it was already cooked um turnip like a fresh turnip um and one other item that i'm forgetting and with that, I made a uh, little rice fritter. So I took the catfish, uh, I puree, I made a mousse, and then I mixed in that red rice and uh, some shrimp and some herbs. Oh, the other thing was these uh, fish eye pepper. And uh, it was like fresh fish eye peppers. And I had never heard of those or tasted them. Um, looked like a cayenne, it was like a long red pepper. Uh, and so I made an aioli with those. Uh, in like this little rice ball with shrimp and catfish in it, uh, fried them, uh, you know, but yeah, but it was, you know, looking at that, I'm like, okay, this is a Black History Month episode, um, all black chefs, somebody frying catfish, right? Like somebody going to fry catfish and I'm not going to be the one that's frying the damn catfish. You know? so, so I was like, uh, you know, what can I do with it to, you know, um, make sure I'm using all the ingredients. And so, yeah, that w- that one went over well. The next round, we got um, a grain called millet, which I had never cooked or eaten before. Um, millet, we had pork chops, bone-in pork chops. We got, um, uh, like, cooked collard greens, like, um, like with the liquid and stuff. Um, and it's something that was off that was in there. I'm forgetting and so with that one, the thing that destroyed everybody with that one was the millet, um, right? Because I have no idea to cook. That, I've never cooked millet in my life. 
it just takes a long time. <laughs> Neither have right? I. And I yeah. knew it took a long time, but I didn't know. I didn't even know what I was going to do with it, but I knew that it had to be the first thing I started cooking. And so, you know, as soon as that thing, that clock started, I started cooking them all, you know. And then people got destroyed because they uh, they served raw pork. And so, um, oh. so, yeah, it was like raw pork and raw millet basically was the downfall of most. Um, and last course was dessert course. And I always worry about dessert because I don't particularly care um, for making desserts. I love eating desserts, but I don't like making them. And so for that round, we got canned black-eyed peas, ham hock, um, uh, sorghum syrup, uh, peaches, and something else. And for so dessert, for that one, wow. I, yeah, for dessert. And so for that one, I took the bean, the, the juice from the black-eyed peas, and if you whip that in a mixer, it gets like a meringue, you know? Uh, they call yeah, it like aquafaba, right? Or what they yeah. call it? Yeah, aquafaba, yeah. 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 And so I did that uh, with some of the sorghum syrup, and um, I made this, uh, this like, sweet mousse uh, type of deal. Um, I made a, a praline with the ham hock and some pecans and, you know, candy and sugar and stuff like that. Uh, and what else did I Oh, I fried the black-eyed peas and turned them, uh, tossed them in powdered sugar. And so... Um, they didn't say anything real like negative about mine. It was just like two different realms, you know, it was like just more like just apples oranges type of dessert versus a very traditional and well executed uh, dessert with what she did. And so I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, look, you know, like I I destroyed them round one and two, right? And you know, I I, I watch a lot of boxing and Muay Thai and stuff, you know, like if it if it's two to one, then I win, yeah. right? You know, like I was like, they can't give her to, you know, they can't give her to the victory based off of, uh, you know, one one win. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I went on to to take on the chop championship. Congratulations, man! That's like that's you worked with some pretty. Uh, uh, thanks. I mean, honestly, if someone gave me all that for for dessert, I would probably just drop that there because like, I'm the same way. I like to eat dessert. I don't cook it, but um, yeah. But that's an awesome like. Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was crazy. You know, the time, the time is the thing. It's just like, you know, the time is just flying. You know, that first, the first round was like 20 minutes, you know, for the first round. And, uh, yeah, that, that flew. Mm -hmm. That flew by. Mm -hmm. I guess the pressure of the cameras, it always gets you different. And it also probably brings something out that you just didn't know you had, right? It's like, yeah. Was it hard? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of cameras, too. I'm curious if it was hard to spend all that time keeping the results quiet while you waited for the episode to actually air. There was a gap, right? You must have had a couple of months there where you... Yeah, you know, it was was actually so long that I kind of even forgot about it, in a sense, you know, and... um, (laughs) You know, like, you know... And then all of a sudden your name and face is on everything. It's like, Jupiter one chopped. And, And they didn't even... You know, like I, my PR was like, "Hey, you know, you hear anything from uh, the Food Network?" And I'm like, "No, you know, this is like two days before February." You know, and I'm like, "No, I've heard anything. We knew that it would air in February because we knew it was a Black History Month." Right. So you know, and so um, sure. you know, so we waited and nothing. I reached out to some folks and oh yeah, this should get get to you soon. They literally reached out like four days or five days before the air date. Like, hey, just an FYI, this is your air date. I guess they're so they're so worried about people like talking about this. I'm like, man, it's chopped. It's not like the 
presidential election that I got the inside scoop on. You know, it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love that you won the show. I feel like you've done so much already. Um, what do you, what, what's in store for you in the future? Give us a little, a little preview here, what you're up to, what you're going to be up to next or what we can look forward to. And maybe another cameo on Chopped. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they bring you back. I would do another shop. We talked about doing a, a tournament. Um, and so the tournament's uh-huh. a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, um, but the prize is 50, like 50,000 versus the 10. Wow. Um, and wow. So, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I would love to do that. That was just a lot of fun, you know. Even, and I've done so many shows, and I've lost. I've lost more than I've won, um, you know, on these shows. Uh, and some of them are a lot of fun, and some of them are kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't do that again. Um, but yeah, this the child experience is fun, um, and uh, you know, I definitely do that again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably awesome. open up some more restaurants, uh, <laughs> you know, at some point in time. As soon as we, yeah. As soon as we get back leveled, um, I think as an industry, right? And so, um, you know, I spoke on how culinary schools are going through a rough patch, uh, as well as, you know, every restaurant, you know, uh, that I know of, you know, going through issues with uh, with staffing and being able to, you know, keep things consistent and, and profitable and things like that. So it's been quite a challenge, but, um, you know, whatever there's a challenge, there's opportunity. Um, and so it's, um, you know, looking at some smaller markets, I'm not necessarily trying to take over Chicago. I think at one point in time, mm-hmm. you might have asked me that and I, I would have been like, oh yeah, you know, I want to have the biggest restaurant group in Chicago. Um, and that is literally the complete opposite now. Um, yeah. I do, you know, we have some things on the table and some smaller markets that I'm excited about. So we'll see if it all pans out. Awesome. Very cool. We'll, yeah. we'll be looking forward to it and we'll I feel like we'll have a whole menu to try Zach all yeah. of the all of yeah. the things if that's smaller markets if, the, if that includes New York City you got a customer uh, bulletin already oh yeah <laughs> you got Zach's mac and cheese as a side we could dish. use some of that kind of food we could use uh, some of that food up here I'm telling you it's, it's totally missed man. yeah I, I, uh, I always say that New York would be the last um, like the city I open my last restaurant in uh, just ah. because I'm like, you know, it, it probably, it, it may not even do that great or whatever, but I, I do love New York enough to, to be there on some, you know, some business and, and not necessarily yeah. live there full time, but yeah. It's I'm a fun a city to be in. I'll be there with it. Hopefully I'm, the uh, I'm last place you open isn't anytime soon, but when it happens, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, okay. We're going to go into our tasting menu now. We asked you three quick questions, and first thing that comes to your mind is how you answer. So the first question is, what's the number one food that you cannot live without? Uh, like cuisine? Could be, uh, yeah, yeah, food, cuisine, uh, anything. Food, anything, like anything. Yeah, Mexican food, tacos, burritos, I can't, I can't go without it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good I feel answer. like we've gotten that before <laughs> on, on the show a couple times, yeah. so... All right, best, <laughs> best celebrity sighting story at one of your restaurants or a restaurant that you worked in? That's celebrity sighting. When I was um, a line cook at the Shore Club Hotel, uh, P. Diddy had rented out the restaurant um, for dinner um, with all of these celebrities. And at the time, it was like a bunch of rappers that was popular back then and stuff. Um, and this was like a fine dining restaurant or whatever. Um, and, yeah. Uh, and there was smoking blunts like in the dining room. Right, and so they get the they get the, the F and B 
director. Uh, <laughs> they get the FB director, um, and he comes down and like, hey, you know, should we tell him anything or whatever? And I think at the time they said that his tab was at like forty something thousand dollars uh, for the night, and uh, it was like, hey man, you know, you just let them do what they want, you know. And so by the end of that dinner, uh, <laughs> Puffy he was passing out like Sean John jackets and stuff to all the like busboys and some of the cooks. Oh and my stuff gosh. And stuff. Yeah, that was uh, that wow. was, that was, yeah, yeah, you definitely don't want to report him. No, nah, I think he just <laughs> yeah, let, no, let Diddy do what he want to do. Huh? Ride the wave. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Wow, that's a good story. No, that's a good one. Yeah. Most of the people like we've asked that too, they don't have that kind of a. That's usually like I saw you know so and so at a table once. Like that's nah. that's a different level. That's that good. is <laughs> love that one. Glad we threw that one in there. <laughs> All right, and last question. Someone's visiting New Orleans for the first time. What's the first thing they should eat or a restaurant they should go and try? Uh, first thing you do in New Orleans is um, you get a, you go get a beer. You know, like just a, don't don't go too hard, too fast, right? Get you something because <laughs> right. you can just walk the street with it, right? You know, go grab your beer, right? And you head over um, to uh, to uh, why the hell did I just forget the name of the place? Um, God damn it. On Frenchman Street, <laughs> I, I, I like literally go here every single day. I'm, I'm telling you what I do when I get to New Orleans, and I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the yeah. It's not something to me, right? Uh, it's because you go to too many restaurants. You can't keep them all straight. Like, it's not even a restaurant. This is a straight up music, man. You know, you get your beer, you go, you sit on oh. you listen to some live music, right? It's not DBA, um, is it? And then, no, it's, 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 it's gonna come to me. It's impossible. <laughs> like I literally send everybody. They owe me. They should owe me money for as my referrals I have. Like, um, yeah, there you I, go. You know, like, um, and so then influencer you, partnership yeah, in the making right now. You see, <laughs> um, then you. I like to start with a po' boy, and uh, that po' boy can come mm-hmm. from um, from parasols would be my number one. Uh, spot uh, or uh, Parkway uh, Tavern. Uh, and so you go to either one of those. If you have a sweet tooth, um, then you can go beignets or you go with a snowball. And so if I go with a snowball, I would go to um, I would go to Plum Street Snowballs and I would get a uh, get a snowball. I get a small um, strawberry cream with uh, condensed milk. Uh, and you can sit Ooh, out yeah. on a, sit out sit out on the grass or somewhere you know around there and uh, just enjoy your snowball. Sounds like exactly what I want to do when I get out in New Orleans. That's it sounds so good. The, the, the late the late night the late night like look the late that's all that's everything. Before, yeah, I was saying that's before dinner. Yeah, that's any that's just that's just casual. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 a, upon arrival, you know. Yeah, I I gotta go with the Banana Fosters. I feel like I had the best Banana Fosters at yeah. Brennan's when I was down there, and I know that's like the really big one that everybody. That's where it originated. It's so good, so yeah. freaking good. Funny story about Brennan's is that uh, Brennan's they had a chef there. His name was Elliot Roussel, and Elliot Roussel was uh, he had worked his way up in Brennan's from like the dish room to executive chef, which was insane. Um, because Brennan's at the time uh, of of him running it um, was, you know, touted as one of the top restaurants, not only in the country, but, uh, you know, recognized across the world. Um, and yeah, so in Bananas Foster is, you know, was uh, originated at Brennan's. Oh. Um, 
you know, but I took a, I went to a cooking class when I was um, a, a young uh, teen. I was probably, I don't know, like 13 or something mm-hmm. that, uh, with my grandmother. My grandmother took me to it. And Elliot Roussel was the, um, was the instructor uh, for this class. And so we made three things. We made, uh, we made red beans. We made um, uh, pineapple, coconut, bread pudding. Uh, and we made uh, a etouffee, right? And um, it was important because I actually reached out to Chef L.A. Roussel. Um, when I knew I was going to culinary school, I worked in the restaurant down in New Orleans for a year, and I was trying to get uh, a summer, work, work for a summer um, there after my first year of culinary school. Uh, and he, he called me back, and um, and he was like, basically, he's like, I have people that's been working here for 30 years. You know, like, it was like, I just don't have the room you know, no restaurant in the world would tell you this right now, but uh, it's right, uh, yeah. take you on, you know, right now. Um, yeah, and he ended up passing, like, a few years after that, um, and so I never was able to, like, interact uh-huh. with him, but uh, he was someone who I, I still remember, you know, uh, vividly. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That city, I'm telling you, they, they love their own down there. It's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this was great. Thank you so much, Chef Jupe. We really appreciate you coming on the show today and telling us your story and giving us all no these really fun stories uh, along the way of your journey. Yeah, this is, it was really great to talk with you. You've had you've done some amazing yeah. stuff already. You're going to do so much more, I can tell. So thank you so thank much you. for taking the time to talk to us. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it, y'all. Want to hear more listeners? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io, where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, food service industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, like how to digitize your space, how to work with food influencers, the latest on restaurant relief, and more interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for their free weekly newsletter, eat.news. Back of House has a team of food service industry writers and journalists who cut through the noise and give you the headlines that you really need to see each week. This is honestly one of the best weekly food service focused newsletters I've ever read or seen, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore podcast and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms. 